2: The culture is the culture. It's 4 to 6A to B, competitive excellence, and the brotherhood. The plan to win uh, has never changed. So the culture here and the plan to win is always going to be here at Ohio State.
0: Welcome back to 4 to 6 with a and B, your high state podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This is Bill Landis joined by the birthday boy, Ari Wasserman. Ari,
2: how's it feel to be 28? Uh, feels pretty good. Uh, <laughs> I can't think of a more appropriate way to spend my birthday than sitting Indian style on in my bed recording a podcast with my best friend. So I uh, hope this is a good one. Uh, got some good questions. I saw the word Carl's Jr. in the text that you sent me, so I think we're going to be off to a good
0: start. We did get a nice mix of, uh, of football and food questions. It is big 10 media days week. I'll be heading out. We're recording this on Tuesday. Again, Ari's birthday. Uh, I'll be heading out to Indianapolis on Thursday. Ohio state doesn't get there. Well, they'll be there Thursday, but they don't talk until Friday. Um, and a slight change to the plans with that. Chris Olave is not going now. Um, it's going to be Thayer Munford, Zach Harrison and Jeremy Ruckert. It was originally supposed to be Chris Olave. He's not going. Um, i don't i just think he's not going i don't think there's anything else going on other than that but uh th- that'll be the three who are out there with ryan day um i think it'll be interesting i'm excited to talk football with people but because it is the time of year where we ask questions at media days we figured we'd let you guys ask some questions on this year episode of four to six with a and b so ari if you have nothing further to add we will get right into the
2: questions uh ohio state just extending but, the streak of not inviting or not bringing the best player in the conference to big 10 media days it's like a yeah, tradition like no
0: others. Um I was surprised he was on there to begin with because he just I think I said before he doesn't strike me as someone who would particularly enjoy doing that. Um I don't know if that's what this is or if he has some other kind of conflict or what. Like he was at he was in the Woody today. He got like his new headshot taken today. So like he's around. He's just not going to Indy, which is like it's fine. I had a I had a story planned on him being there, but if you've ever interviewed Chris Olave, the story is not super contingent on him talking anyway because he's not the best quote in the world. So I can still do the story, but I'm a little bummed he's not going to be there. But Jeremy Rucker will be cool. Yeah. Be fun to
2: talk to. I mean we were pretty right on, on the guesses. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see what you do out there. Uh, and one other thing to add before we move on to the questions. Have you ever bitten your lip while eating and then caused yourself to have a fat lip? Because I did that today and I feel like a moron.
0: Yeah, I do it all the time. Uh, when I bite my lip or like worse, when I bite the inside of my mouth, um, I feel like a big dumb idiot and it hurts a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. I did it's it, it today. Terrible. and I'm just like, can you just get a hold of yourself?
2: <laughs> it's like the most basic of human functions. It's innate. It's an innate <laughs> trait that children automatically know how to do because it's in our DNA and I'm 34 now and I don't know how to chew my food without bleeding. Why'd well, you tell everyone you were your real age? I had them get, I don't think when you were yeah, 28. No, I, I, I think uh, being 34 is some street cred, you know. I've been around the block a few years. I didn't realize you were that old. You're So you're like a full year and a half older than
0: I am. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it. it hasn't changed since we met. It's it's kind of been the I know, same. I don't know why. I don't know why I thought we were the same age. But I guess that's what Yeah, I've friend. always been a year older that's than what, you. Yeah, yeah. July 20th. You, look at me you can call me dad if you want. Yeah, I white. I might. Uncle. I'm going to call, call you uncle. <laughs> uncle Ari. Happy right. birthday to Uncle Ari. Thank you. All right. Uh, Again, uh, we we use the email for questions, so uh, if you have questions for future episodes, 426AB at gmail.com. Let's get rolling. Uh, From Quinn, first question from Quinn. Do you think Trevion Henderson's first game action will be a few nice runs and a decent statistical game similar to players like Curtis Samuel and Mike Weber, or do you anticipate the average OSU fan... Having a moment where they lean closer to the TV and watch a star be born in real time, like when J.K. Dobbins started in 2017 against Indiana.
2: It's Maurice Claret's first game. Remind me of what that was. I think he rushed for like 220 yards or something. It was just kind of like this guy's a star from the beginning. And I didn't, I, J.K. Dobbins at, at Indiana, didn't he rush for almost
0: 200 yards? Yeah, JK had a monster game against Indiana, so that's what that's what they're asking. Is it like an okay game where like you know that you it is apparent to you that he is good, but he doesn't take over the game, or is he going to take over the game the way JK did in his opener against Indiana in 2017? Um, Let me ask you this. Do you think he'll take the first carry? I don't think he'll take the first carry, but I do think he'll have the most carries in that game
2: then I think it'll probably be something in the middle.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's probably right. It's also kind of the cop-out answer. I would, I would lean more toward we watch a star get born in real time than I would like quote unquote run of the mill kind of like, okay, that was nice, decent kind of game.
2: Yeah. Uh, Marie square rushed for 175 yards. Um, and scored three times in the Texas Tech game in 2002, Texas which is first game. Um, I will say he's going to, it's going to be, I don't think he's going to rush for 200 yards because that's a really hard thing to do. Um, and I don't know if he'll be in the game long enough to do that, especially if he doesn't get the first few carries and they're still kind of doing that thing where he's going to be the starting running back this year, but they don't want to show that immediately or they don't want to make the older players on the roster feel bad. So they're going to split the carries around, but I do think that it's going to be apparent in that game one way or the other that he's the best running back on the team.
0: I agree with that. Um, I also think that it is a, um, an opener. It's a night opener on the road against a what I would say is a decent Big Ten opponent. I I, I don't think Minnesota is particularly scary, but they're not a, a pushover either, I don't think. Um, and I think Ryan Day will want to protect the quarterback, presumably C.J. Stroud, a bit in that kind of environment, and I do think they'll rely on running the ball. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity, and Trey Henderson's going to get the ball and I think make the most of it. And I, I do think it's also worth mentioning. I just looked this up because I I thought this was the case, and it I was right for once in my life. Uh, Minnesota's run defense last year was awful. They were 124th in the country, allowing 6.3 yards per carry. They were the worst run defense in the Big Ten, like by a mile. They were awful, awful, awful stopping the run last year. Um, and I think Ohio State is going to come out in that game and, and see if that's still the case. So um, yeah, I, I think I think st- stardom is on the table, or, or, or a star being born is on the table in that first game, and the, and the setting is similar to JK's. Right, JK's was a Thursday night opener on the road
2: against a Big, a Big Ten, Big 10 opponent. Yep. Yeah. The, so the thing that I just want to stress is, and I don't think. Ohio state signs a lot of five-star prospects and a lot of them take a long time to get on the field and be really, really good. But I think Trey Henderson based on where he was in his final year of high school might be one of the five best prospects Ohio state has ever signed. At least like like modern, like in the the modern, in the the modern, right. uh, yeah, Yeah. Yeah. In the last, you know, 20 years and i think that the idea of running back starting day 1 is kind of a foreign concept but i just want people to properly view the context of his recruitment like he's just not he's not just one of the four or five five star prospects ohio state signed in a in a single class he is a bona fide star and i know that he's not a top 10 player nationally we've talked about why it's harder to do that when you play the running back position but in terms of complete talents at that position I don't know how it could possibly get better than that. He was the number one running back in the country. Um, and I expect him to play right away. I don't, and I, you know what? I think the idea is that people expect him to play because the running back position seems to be weak, especially now that Steel Chambers seems to be a linebacker. But I think he would play no matter who the starter was. I, I think he's that good. I just want to stress. You know, and maybe a better illustration of that would have just been like he's in a rush for 275 yards in the opener and, and been funny about it. But just I want people to understand what he is.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think it's well said. And, and I do think if I, if I could bet on it, maybe you probably can bet on it somewhere. Like I would bet that Master T gets the first carry for Ohio State. But Trey Henderson is going to be part of the game plan, and I just think it's going to play out in a way where, like, they're going to give him touches because they came in with the idea of giving him touches, and then once they do and see what he does, they're not going to be able to help themselves but give him more. And I think by the end of that, I think it's very possible that by the end of that game, we're going to stop asking ourselves this question about, like, well, where does he fit into the pecking order? Is he the number one guy or not? Like, I think it could be very apparent after that game that he is number one guy and and will be for the
2: rest of the year. Normalize expecting freshmen to start.
0: I would love to, but, you know – History tells me I shouldn't at Ohio State. Yeah. Has there Which stuff tells nicely into our I, I next don't know. Question. I guess this
2: would be a good question before we go to the next one, but has there ever been a player that signed with Ohio State as good as Trey Henderson at a position of such high need at the same time? Ooh. I mean there probably is. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I'm trying
0: to think off the top of my head too. Um I don't know. Like Rayquan McMillan, a middle linebacker in twenty fourteen,
2: maybe. Maybe that's a good one. Um, and it's kind of hard to remember where they were transitioning when you look at the classes. And you can always say that you know a Zach Harrison or a Garrett Wilson is just somebody that you can plug in right away. The same with Jack Brett, Jack Sawyer because those positions are uh, positions that you kind of roll a lot. Um, and Nick petit Freire was a huge get because of what happened with Jackson Carmen. Um, even you could make the case to Ron Vincent because defensive tackles of that level are few and far between. Um, but I'm trying to come up with one that was just like, oh, my God, they need one really, really bad. Oh, my God, they got one. And he's the best player in the country. And, oh, my God, he starter right away. Like, I don't know that that happened. And I and that's what yeah. I expect. And I've expected that's I expect since the day he yeah. committed to Ohio State.
0: Yeah. And there's more of a spotlight on it because of like their, their misses the year before were like pretty high profile, um, which creates a different dynamic than maybe – hasn't existed all that often prior prior to this happening, but uh, I do think that's right. Um, it was a glaring, glaring need for them in that recruiting class. It's a glaring need, in my opinion, for them on this roster to have a game changer at tailback. And like they got the guy that I think is going to do it from the jump. So not to put too much pressure on the kid, but I, that's where I'm at with him. And I don't really, I, I feel like I don't get carried away a lot with freshmen, but like I'm pretty much there with <laughs> Trey Anderson, even though he has yeah, not I mean, there is a world where
2: <laughs> B. John Robinson is just the starter right now. Oh, absolutely! So, yeah. like, in that, in that case, let's just say that Ohio State got Bijan Robinson in what was it the twenty twenty class. Mm-hmm. If they would have gotten him then, and he had an awesome freshman year last year, I still think Trey Henderson would carry the ball at least a hundred times this year.
0: Yeah, I think that's possible. They would, they would, he, they would find something a, a way for him to be a part of the offense.
2: I think. I think he would. He would just yeah. force their hand that way.
0: You know what? I'm
2: going to change my, my answer. He's going to rush for 140 yards over under, yeah. over 140 yards in the opener. First game ever. I put it down.
0: I go over. Yeah. I go over. I think, your answer, they're gonna, I think they're going to try to line up and just smash Minnesota. And it's like we're going to talk a lot about C.J. Stroud coming into the game and then like Ohio State is going to completely annihilate them up front and run the ball. You know, a good, um, a good
2: story, I guess. And maybe you'll just write it off the game when you're there. But it's kind of like which – player is going to be the next star born in that game because you know they're gonna have a new quarterback they're gonna have a new running back they have a lot of receivers i mean jack sawyer is probably gonna play in that game a ton like that game might be the introduction to the new era of ohio state football
1: looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone luckily with 24 7 u.s based live customer service from discover
0: Sort of along those lines, and I, she's asking more about true freshmen, but she she asked, What true freshmen, if any, do you see potentially becoming starters this season or starting right out of the gate? And I guess we'll remove Trey Henderson from that equation since we just talked about him for eight minutes. But, um, like Jack Sawyer is definitely on that list. I don't know if he'll be a starter in the first game, but I do think he is squarely in the rotation and could be starting by mid year. Kyle McCord, um, well, <laughs> I like, and the list of the list of guys I put down, like, I put McCord. I, Again, I think we both think that CJ Stroud is going to win, but until they officially name him the starter, like McCord
2: is in the mix to start. I Um, will not erase Donovan Jackson's name from this discussion until it's erased by the coaches.
0: So Donovan Jackson, of course, I put him down here, and I was wondering, like, what's what's the if I if I start giving him percentage chances to be a starter this year, like how high can I get until you think I'm crazy?
2: Once you get to forty percent, I think you're starting to push it. Okay, but that's pretty high. That's pretty high for a kid who just got here a month ago. (laughs) I would say that his odds of being a starter are twenty five percent.
0: Yeah, I think I'd be comfortable with that number. Because with that number, I think you'd still be a little you'd still be surprised if it happened, but I don't think you'd be blown away. And I do think it's giving
2: this is the best class in in Ohio State
0: history. On paper. On paper coming in. Yeah. I just like Uh, 17, 2017
2: is the only other one that is in that breath. And the 17 class, we all know what, what happened there. So that's the expectation and the baseline of what this is. But Ohio State just signed, what was it, 12 top 100 players last year? Yeah, but I'm trying to think like
0: that's like who outside of JK was like a dude right away.
2: Okuda played at the end of this first year, didn't he? A little bit. Chase Young. Like, I don't know. Kind of minimally. Baron Browning was a late bloomer. Sean Wade was a late bloomer. Wyatt Davis didn't start his first year. Trayvon Grimes transferred. Tate Martell. None of these guys played. Nobody.
0: none, None of them played.
2: Yeah. It's like the top two players in that class, the highest rated ones, both were first round draft picks. So, but when you think about freshmen, like, I just don't remember too the, the 2016 team, I feel like Ohio state's in a bigger transition on defense right now than they were after that season. So you have, and and you have a glaring uh, hole at a, at a running back position and you have a new starter and the class had a five-star quarterback at quarter. I mean, a new starter quarterback and they just signed a five-star quarterback. I don't think how McCord's going to be the starter, but there are a lot of places in this very deep and talented team where you could make a case for them. The problem is, is I don't know how to dissect what starter means at receiver. Um, So that's kind of a harder thing to do. Like I would not be surprised if Marvin Harrison Jr. caught sixty passes this year. That's a lot. is a lot. Yeah, especially considering the. But would you be floored?
0: Uh, I would. Yes, I would. I, I would be pretty shocked if he caught sixty passes. Because if he catches if if he catches sixty, Olave and Wilson and Smith and Jigba are doing what? Like are they also all catching? Like are they all catching sixty?
2: I guess that's possible. I don't know. It's a very deep room, but I I think can you put Marvin Harrison Jr. as a starter?
0: Um, I wouldn't right now. No, I I, I we have a question on this later about like what th- what this receiver kind of picture is going to look like because last year was basically a two man show and whether like is it going to be a two man show again this year? I just have a really hard time seeing it being that way. Um I like in the at the end of the year Alave and Wilson are going to have the the majority of the targets for sure, but I do think it's going to be spread out more. You know who we haven't so. said? Well, I have I have two other names. Oh, well, I had three other names. I had JT Al. Yeah. It's um, insane that we didn't get to that name until
2: right I now, don't, but he's late on campus.
0: I don't th- I think he's going to play Um, and I think it'll be like part of the rushman package, maybe if not from the jump, but pretty early. Um, I think he will play, I don't know if he will start this year. Um, the two other guys I had in mind were JK
2: Johnson and Jordan Hancock. Well, that was the other one I was going to say, Jordan Hancock. It just depends on where, on where some of these young cornerbacks are in their development. But when you think about the season that they had a year ago, they can't be that much further ahead. Can they? Like is legend Cavazos that much more developed than Jordan Hancock right now?
0: I think a little bit like let you're right. Last year was weird, but those guys at least had this spring, like Jordan Hancock and JK Johnson didn't get here until June. Um, It's
2: hard to start at corner as a true freshman. I don't, is it? I don't don't know. know. I feel like it'd be the, one of the harder positions to do it at. What what are the hardest positions to start as a true freshman? Offensive line quarterback. I think quarterback is extraordinarily, uh, Hard, I think it's much easier than it used to. Be. I think it's rare. much easier than it used to be. Yeah, yeah.
0: I, I, I think it's still hard. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess corner would be up there.
2: I guess it depends on what your defense, like what kind of defense you're playing. And Ohio State's defense, and the two I safeties that Ohio so. State's signed last year were number one seventy 170 and one seventy one. So those are very very good players. But when you start talking about freshman starters, um, you usually start at the five star prospects and work your way down. But you know, eighty percent of Ohio State's class ranked in the top two hundred. So I guess everybody's basically on the board.
0: I will say, like, Jansen Dunn I think it's possible that Jansen Dunn goes into this season as a number two free safety behind Josh Proctor. And that depends on what exactly they want to do with Court Williams, uh, and where he is health wise. But other than like I don't know who else would like I guess like Brayson Shaw could keep him from being number two or Marcus Hooker, who is still around apparently, maybe, but I don't know. I think it would take something happening to, George, to Josh Proctor for Jensen Dunn to play, and I don't want to predict that, but I do think he'll be – I think he could be in the two deep. What about safety. Uh, Jesse Mirko? Oh, yeah. Jesse Mirko will start, I think. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of options to. here, and I think that this class is going to be very heavily represented in playing time.
0: I hope it is. I, I do. Th- I, I do think this year – um, because this class is so good because they have so many questions on defense in particular this is a very good litmus test of whether or not things are going to be different under Ryan day than they were under urban Meyer you in mean terms from like a developmental standpoint from the the willingness to play young guys over veterans yeah
2: yeah 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 I'm excited to see it uh the transition years are always the most fun to cover and watch yeah for sure and they got two good opening games
0: Uh, We have a uh, scenario question from Darsh about Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I'm curious what you guys think will get Jim Harbaugh fired or slash keep his job. I think there's going to be a lot of nuance as to what is regarded as a successful season for Michigan uh, from fans and administrators. I'm going to list some scenarios, and I guess you can provide your input. Some might not be totally realistic. So we have a a couple of scenarios here. We'll say whether or not we think Jim Harbaugh gets fired or keeps his job. Uh, Six and six with wins against Ohio
2: State and Michigan State. Let me ask you this before we go down this list. Do you think Michigan would fire Harbaugh in the middle of the year? Yes. Then no, he wouldn't make it to Ohio State. I think that's right.
0: Uh, seven and five chalk, which I guess is just I, I don't know losing I think to it's Ohio just State status
2: quo. Uh, yeah. probably not. I think or he probably would get that, fired.
0: I think he makes it through that year, but does not the coach next year if that happens. Yes. Uh, eight and four lose decently to Ohio State, Penn State, and Washington uh, win against or lose Ohio State, Penn State, to Washington, and then one of Wisconsin, Indiana, or, or Northwestern is as, as the fourth loss there. I think he's fired. I think he's fired. Uh, eight and four lose to Washington, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and then beat Indiana and Penn State, followed up with a close loss to Ohio State. I think he keeps his job. I think he would keep his job there too. I think I think uh, Darsh is on it with like the games that that carry the most weight here, right? And if you put him, if you put Jim Harbaugh in a situation where he loses all those games, even if the record in the end is about 500, I think he loses his job. But if you can snag a win against uh, what should be a decent Indiana team and I think a good Penn State team, I think that might be enough. Especially if if the loss to Ohio State is not embarrassing, Uh, and then nine and three uh, bad losses to Ohio State, Penn State, Indiana, big win versus Washington to open the year. I think if you have lopsided losses within your own division, I think nine and three still might not cut it. I don't know.
2: I I, I really don't know. I want to know the thing I don't understand and the thing that has this debate and this discussion so interesting to me is that I don't have a clear viewpoint of what the expectation is from the people who are making these decisions. Yep. Because they put him in a pretty impossible position. And if you go look at Michigan's schedule, we broke it down on this podcast last week. It's freaking brutal. It's hard. And eight and four in this schedule, I think would be a pretty successful season for a coach that's trying to keep his job. And if the expectation is play close with Ohio State, the people who made him restructure his deal, do they think that you could fix that problem in 12 months? I would, this I is would not a. This hope is, not is not a 12-month yeah. problem. You know, Ohio State is drastically better than them across the board in every single category. And if Michigan is ever going to beat them, it's going to take either a miracle or a three or four year building process towards that and getting Ohio State when they're susceptible. So as much as Jim Harbaugh is judged by his performance uh, against Ohio State, because that game and the score of that game is kind of the measuring stick of how to view Michigan if his performance in that game is what is going to determine whether he keeps his job, he probably shouldn't have it right now anyway. Yeah. So it just, to me, nine and nine wins after a year like that, even if they lose bad to Ohio state probably should be enough to keep your job because nine wins is where Michigan has already proven that that's where they want to be. So, and losing bad to Ohio state is just what is expected. So I, I I think he would keep it based on the behavior of of that administration and the way they've gone about this. Because if the expectation is to beat Ohio State or play them close, without giving them time to remedy the situation, that's irrational.
0: Yeah, I get I get that. I, I think I don't know if the Ohio State game is the one that would swing it either way, but I think if you have a bad at this one, the nine and three scenario is bad losses to Ohio State, Penn State, and Indiana. Like the three best teams, it's like you're going to lose
2: 48 to 10 to Indiana, then you might lose your job.
0: Right? I don't know. I guess it depends on what like bad could be 48 to 10 or bad can be like 48 to 21. I guess I don't. I don't know. Even then, uh, I think. Yeah. Uh, the last scenario was 10 and two with a loss to Michigan State and a bad loss to Ohio State. I keeps think his job. Ten wins, he keeps his job. Yeah. yeah.
2: Ten wins with that schedule, you keeps his job. Yep. Now, I don't think that they would fire him in the middle of the year. So maybe if they if they don't I fire don't. him in the middle of the year in six and six and he beats Ohio State, Michigan State, I think he keeps his job.
0: Pulling out my trusty Phil, Phil Steele here to get Michigan schedule. You guys hear that? You hear the pages flipping? Yeah, you can smell college, the magazine sheets. College football season's around the corner. I'm flipping through Phil, Phil Steele
2: Steel is um, going to replace the internet. You heard it I love, first. I love that uh, Michigan is behind Indiana
0: <laughs> in the Phil Steele Big Ten preview. All right, so Western Michigan home against Wa- or yeah home against Washington, Northern Illinois. Then they're not gonna lose the Rutgers. If he starts 0-4, which includes losing at home the Rutgers.
2: Would they can him? Why is he not canned right now?
0: Well, right. That's the that's, that's the, the thing. It's just know. like
2: Yeah. Okay, Jim, you can come back, take half the money, and we need a complete 180 turnaround. Uh, during a pandemic year when your recruiting class barely gets there. You know what? If I were in Michigan, you want to know what my remedy is? I bet you could guess it. Call Matt Campbell. I think you start McCarthy right away. Oh, yeah. No, I
0: would too. I think I talked about this with Nick, Nick Baumgartner. Yeah. I would, yeah, I would start McCarthy start right away. Start
2: him right away. You can blame it on a freshman if they lose. Say, hey, we're getting them ready in two years. We're going to be awesome with our five star quarterback and let it ride. Like, if you're going to start Cade McNamara and hope to win the Big Ten, it's just like, what? what's the upside with that?
0: If Michigan starts three and one, which means it beats beats Western Michigan, beats Rutgers, beats Northern Illinois, but loses at home to Washington, and then goes on the road at Wisconsin and at Nebraska and loses both those games, and is three and three going into its bye week, does Jim Harbaugh coach the next game? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I think that's like, Probably what is going to happen, and I think he'll be coaching. Uh, the thing
2: about Jim Harbaugh definitely. is that everybody's lost confidence in Jim, and rightfully so. But I think the administration's got their heads up their butt. They just, I, we don't know
0: what they want to be because I don't think they know what they want to be.
2: If you don't, if you don't know what you want to be, then how can you possibly make a coaching decision and set out standards for your program? Yeah, it's like, do you want to be ten and two and behind Ohio State? Jim Harbaugh is the perfect guy for that. Do you want to be better than Ohio State? Jim Harbaugh is not the guy for that. It's that simple. I think that's right.
0: This next one is, uh, I don't really think this is a question, but I copied it and put it in here anyway because, you know, I like the general message here. Uh, From David, hey guys, love the podcast, enjoy every aspect of it. However, I cannot sit back any longer without addressing the In-N-Out Burger and Wendy's in and out needs to be compared to Shake Shack, and it doesn't even come close to the Shake Shack burger. I agree on the fast food levels based on price. However, Wendy's doesn't hold a candle to the best fast food burger out there. You ready? Carl's Jr. slash Hardee's, if you live up north. Superstar uh, superstar with cheese is hands down the best fast food burger out there. If you haven't tried it, do it with haste. Uh, And it says (laughs) Ari. uh, There are plenty plenty in Dallas. Not sure if there are any in Ohio. That's all I wanted to say. Love the podcast. I've
2: never had a Carlos Jr. or Hardee's burger. I've been to Hardee's before. Um, I don't remember the burger. I don't remember it being transcendent. I would remember, like, I remember it being fine. I don't know if I ordered the one that he suggested. Um, I think I ate it in North Carolina once, and there's a bunch of them. There's one, um, you know where there's one in Ohio? You know that outlet mall uh, down 71 towards Cincinnati, that big outlet mall? And I think it's Washington Courthouse. There's a Carl's Jr. in one of those uh, um, rest stops, gas stations. I think it's a Love's across the highway. Um, I don't know why. What is the thing that he's saying about Wendy's and In-N-Out? In-N-Out, you should compare compared to Shake compared Shack. Because yeah, In-N-Out is, is like cheaper the- than Wendy's.
0: That's the, that's the thing with In-N-Out. It's like if you go based off price, I think you would put it on that tier. But... I do think it is a step up in quality from like a Wendy's and McDonald's, uh, Burger King. So, is it fair to compare that's the two at the price it's the point the same?
2: Because it is yeah. a fast food burger that should be compared to places that aren't fast food. That's why. That's literally why it's the best one. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. That is certainly an argument in your favor. Yeah, you know, Shake Shack makes a really good burger, but Shake Shack is twice the price.
0: Five Guys makes had a good a Shake burger. Shack burger either. You haven't can't remember. I've been the Shake Shack. Like I've definitely gotten a milkshake from Shake Shack,
2: but I can't recall if I've had a burger from there. That's weird. You should go to Easton for dinner night on my burger. There's
0: one in Short North.
2: There is? Yeah. It's, that must uh, have happened con- since I left. Connected to the hotel we were going to
0: use if, if, when I was going to get married this summer, and then it never happened. Um, I've not had the Carl's Jr. or Hardee's burger. When I've gone to Hardee's, I used to go down to North Carolina a lot because I have family down there, and like, we go... We went to Hardee's quite a bit. I always got chicken there, like fried chicken. But now I don't even know if Hardee's has that anymore. Um, When the last time I was in a Hardy, I can't remember if it was a Carl's Jr. or Hardee's. I think it was a Carl's Jr. uh, Was when you and I were in Houston and you went to North Shore High School to do that story. And I just had to like wait for you. And there was like a, a Carl's Jr. across the street. And I went there. But I didn't get a burger. I got a chicken sandwich. You went to Carl's Jr. without me?
2: I did, yeah. Yeah. You were in there writing that story on on Houston North Shore. And, so I was working, and you were smashing a hamburger behind my back, <laughs> or chicken right. sliders, or whatever. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I love you so much. <laughs> I would have done the same thing. Yeah, um, I, I figured you'd respect that. Yeah, I, I respect David's uh, take. Um, I don't want to dismiss it. I just don't remember. I just the one or two instances of me eating Carl's Jr. It never left. I, I, I never left thinking, "Holy crap, I'm I'm sleeping on something here."
0: I feel like I need to go check it out now Get and get the burger.
2: Yeah, it's all about it's, uh, it's
0: research. Science. It's yes. science. yeah. Okay, uh, question from Ricky. It's a betting question. We got, we got uh, fast food burgers and betting question on, on Ari's birthday. It's like they knew what, what today meant for everybody. Uh, Ricky says, Ohio State is around minus uh, 175 to 200 odds wise to win the Big Ten this year. While this is not a tiny number at all, can you convince me this number is not egregiously low? If you follow how sports betting works, Vegas gets better as the season goes on, and they struggle the most when there's less information in general. Since we follow recruiting, I think there is simply a gap in Vegas' understanding of the Big Ten and and reality. We know Penn State and Michigan are down, and young talent and Ohio State is up. They haven't had a true nail-biter in two years in conference, and they could probably even lose a game. Once they get get to the conference championship game, they'll be minus 900, and you can even hedge out with ease. Convince me I'm wrong.
2: Is he wrong? My silence is just like, yeah, but go for it. <laughs> I mean, I, I, the thing about it is, is do you want to tie up your money for half of it for four months? You know, and some people do, but you want to put up a grand to win 500 and not have that money for four months, put it in the market. I mean, you'll do better. <laughs> <laughs> you, let you know, money work for You it's yeah. like hedging out of a bet. That's minus 200 is increasingly difficult. Yeah. I'm not a betting man. It's like, what are you gonna do? You're gonna put up a thousand to win five hundred, and then you're gonna bet two fifty on the Big Ten championship game dog straight up to win two hundred and fifty dollars.
0: I never understood those bets. Like I like I love when the guy bets a million dollars to win like ten grand.
2: Listen, <laughs> I understand the idea of betting a lot of money to win half as much on a sure thing. Because getting free money in any way you want to get free money in is a good thing. But I also don't know if the odds of them over under 10 wins, what is it, 10 and a half wins this year? Uh, or was them, it 11? Oh, it was, it was 11, right? 11, yeah. Like, I think that there's other ways that you could get your money out there with less odds that would accomplish the same thing. But this is to win the Big
0: Ten. This isn't a win total. This is just to win the Big Ten.
2: So it's just like the idea is you lose to Oregon, and then that gives you a gimme game so that you're protected by a two-loss season potentially, and you can still win the Big Ten. I I don't know who's going to win the Big Ten uh, if it's not Ohio State. So I don't think he's wrong. It's just a matter of whether or not that's how you want to bet.
0: Yeah. I'd just buy sports cards with my money. That's my kind of gambling. Maybe pull a nice rookie card.
2: But I, I, it does seem like it would be low. If Ohio State starts 5-0, and 0, the number will probably go down to minus 400. Yeah. And that's, with, that's before it they – it's not, it's not even before they play the Penn State or Michigan game. So yeah, those games are late in the season. And as the season goes on, um, it will be very clear. Uh, but they're not going to lose the Big Ten championship game. So it's just a matter of whether or not you think Ohio State could get upset by a, a Penn State or a Michigan or a team that's in a position to steal their spot if they win in the East. This next question is also for you. Just kidding. It's not. It's for me, I guess.
0: Oh, you can answer it. From Josh, can you guys please take 60 seconds to describe the difference in defensive tackle positions? Nose tackle versus three technique, looking to understand the difference in how they line up and the type of player OSU looks for in each position.
2: Did you ask this question? I did not.
0: I not. Sounds a, like it. A, I do not have an alias um, that goes by the name of Josh on The Athletic. Uh, it's pretty simple. Like It's just... Uh, Basically, you start, if you start directly over the center, you're at zero, and then you add a number, like each shoulder you move out. So a one – Ohio State doesn't play a true nose tackle. Um, I think they just say that because it's easier. But they play what's called a one technique, which is just lined up on off the shoulder of the center, and then a three technique, which is lined up on the outside shoulder of the guard. Um, three technique is a little more of a pass rusher. I think generally a, a faster guy. Um, one technique is a little bigger. takes on more double teams. Plays the run a little more than he plays the pass. Uh, Body-wise, at Ohio State, there's not been a tremendous amount of difference between the two types of players that I like to play there. Um, if you see a team that plays like a true nose, like a 3-4 front, that plays a true nose tackle, that those are like the squatty 340-pound guys that um, look like planets out there. Ohio State doesn't really play those kind of guys. so um, It's a one-technique and a three-technique. Not a nose per se, but I don't know if that helped or not, but it's it's fairly simple. Again, if you just start at zero directly over the center and work your way out to each shoulder and add a number each time, that's where they line up. Um, and they kind of function similarly, but three technique is definitely more of a pass rusher. Thank you, Bill. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, let's see here. Question from Jamie, who has better odds to win the Heisman Trophy in their OSU career, C.J. Stroud or Quinn Ewers?
2: I'd probably say C.J. Stroud because Quinn Ewers is coming up with a lot of really good quarterbacks. And this year, if you like, if you look at the landscape of college football, there's no Trevor Lawrence to compete against him. So if you want to talk about C.J. Stroud in a Heisman context, it's like who are the best quarterbacks in college football this year? Spencer Rattler and Sam Howell, that's it. Yeah, and, and
0: I, I I think that's right. And I also think, too, because I, I would assume that if C.J. Stroud is a starter this year, he's a starter for two years, and then Quinn Ewers will be behind him next year. And then, like, next year when Spencer Rattler's is not into playing college football anymore, Sam Howell not playing college football anymore, it'd be like C.J. Stroud and D.J. Uwe are going to be the two top quarterbacks in college football.
2: And C.J. Stroud would
0: have a really good chance of winning the Heisman. And I do think you're right that Quinn Ewers has a little more competitive
2: landscape around him coming in. It's also harder to gauge what this landscape is going to look like in four years. So we can only, but I do think that if you look at the field at college football right now, that there seems to be a window of opportunity for a dynamic Ohio state quarterback that didn't exist. It's like if Justin Fields were on Ohio state's team this year, he would be by far the biggest star in the entire sport. And last year he had the unfortunate luck of having to share the spotlight with Trevor Lawrence. So, you know, that's the thing with NIL and, you know, Bryce Young, you know, could win the Heisman for all we know because he's yeah. he's also in that discussion. Um, and Nick Saban said he's closing on a million dollars of NIL money right now. I don't know if you it's saw that, but yeah. um, it's more so, I think, because like, if you just think about it, neither have thrown a pass in college and neither of them started a game for Ohio State yet. So conventional wisdom would be 50-50 because they're both starters at Ohio State. So you have to take into other. It's like which one do you think is better? I don't know. I think C.J. Stroud is going to be awesome this year, Um, but I think the landscape has everything to do with it. And right now, I think it seems like C.J. Stroud would be in a very advantageous position if he has a really good year, and then even again the following year.
0: Yeah, and he also he'll have Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson this year. And you know, by the time the Quinn Ewers is the starter, if we're assuming he will be the starter in what twenty twenty three, you know, Emeka Buka and like. Julian Fleming could be th- that, that. Don't year's sleep on Jaden Ballard, Marvin. man. And well, anybody. Jaden Ballard, Marvin Harrison, just, like just pick two guys. No, no, you. but no, you're right. I mean, they have a lot of good receivers. Um, they do. But CJ Stroud, and this is like sort of in line with the next question from Edward. CJ Stroud is entering a pretty nice situation for a first time starter. Um, the question from Edward was uh, I heard it said many times before the season started last year that Mac Jones. Would be stepping into the best poss- possible situation as a first year starter, given the talent returning in Columbus this year. Is the twenty twenty one Buckeye QB preseason outlook comparable or behind the twenty twenty Alabama QBs outlook, and why? I think it's comparable. Mac Jones played like played the year before though, right? Because Tua was hurt. That's a, like, yes. the only difference. That's the only, the only difference, difference is that he
2: had more experience. But CJ right. Stroud has like a forty yard touchdown run, doesn't he? That's right. Yeah, no, I think I think it's very comparable. um Especially like, if Trey Henderson is what we said he was in the first quarter. Right.
0: Because, so like, I, without knowing for sure that that's the case, like, I would say right now they don't have as good of a back as Najee Harris, but Trey Henderson could become that or a, a version of that. Um, I don't think Chris you even Oloving, need him to be Najee Harris either. It's no, no, you just like, need, yeah. like, a dynamic running back. Yeah. Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, like, are Devonte Smith and Jalen Waddle. <laughs> so I think that's comparable there. I think offensive line wise, it's pretty comparable. Um, Ohio State might have a few more questions, like a question or two more than maybe Alabama did last year, with that offensive line. But I think it's comparable for sure. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's the a, a good line of thinking from Edward there. Like I don't, I don't know. I'm not going to say that CJ Stroud is going to have the same year that Mac Jones had last year because Mac Jones had like a Joe Burrow kind of year last year. But um, I think he has a similar. Group around him that is going to elevate him greatly in his first year and make his life a lot more easier.
2: Yeah, I for think sure. having elite level receivers who can get open 100 of the time is a big asset. And also, did you did you say the offensive line? Because I kind of spaced out there for a second. Yeah, somebody sent yeah, me a happy I birthday think, text. I,
0: I think the lines are are, are similar. I, I would. Th- it's hard for me to remember exactly where Alabama was last year, but I'm going kind of off. Like they had like Alex Leather, Alex Leatherwood was a first round pick. Um, Landon Dickerson would have been a first round pick if he wasn't injured. And then I think they had a third lineman get drafted in the sixth round. And then they probably have another two guys who are going to get drafted who are back this year um, in the next draft. So
2: Ohio State has the two best receivers in college football, arguably. Yep. They also have the two best tackles in college football, arguably. Yep. They might have the most promising freshman running back of the last 20 years.
0: They have one of the more complete tight ends.
2: They have a – what are we talking about here? I think it's yeah. open and shut. It, it it is like I I like Devontae Smith is
0: so good last I mean, year.
2: We're talking about <laughs> what he's saying is it comparable to, to? It is comparable. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: yeah it's comparable Absolutely. for sure.
2: Yeah, yeah. All the pieces are there for you to think
0: it's comparable. I just don't want to. I don't know. I don't. I don't want to set the bar for Chris Olave as like Devontae Smith Heisman Trophy season, and then people will be upset when he comes up like just short of that. Um,
2: I mean, if he comes up just comparable. short of that, he could still have a first round year. Chris Olave was, he was, was first a first rounder last year. He was. He why is, is the, he not I, in the NFL? Is the, is a question that I want to. I would yeah. just ask him nine times at Big Ten Media Days if he were showing up. If he was going to go there, why yeah. didn't you go why to the NFL? Here? Why didn't you go to the NFL? Why are you here? <laughs> why didn't you go to the NFL? Why didn't you go to the NFL again? I don't Wait, know, man. Yeah,
0: and the craziest thing about that is he like,
2: hates I capitalism. Think, I think is what I think the death to capitalism
0: most most people who most people who like don't
2: follow college football day to day but like do
0: the draft stuff like will probably still say Garrett Wilson's better than he is who do you think's better Olave you do uh, i guess i wouldn't be terribly surprised if Garrett Wilson gets drafted higher in fact i th- i probably would predict that Garrett Wilson gets drafted who higher,
2: do you think will be a better pro Olave
0: really yeah just something about him man I don't know what it is he's just so smooth like he just it's kind of like he's like we talked about like Quinn Ewers like the effortlessness with which he does things like I think that is Chris Olave at receiver
2: Chris Olave is a better college receiver Garrett Wilson will be a better pro
0: yeah I think that's sound logic and I think most people would agree with you but I'll, I'll, I'll get on that Olave bus I'm okay with that
2: I mean do you rather drive the Ferrari or, or the Bugatti? Yeah, limb. I don't know. I like. go, go out on that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, dude, you're so brave. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank
0: you for acknowledging my bravery. Yeah. <laughs> okay, um, Brandon. Brandon had a, uh, an interesting question that I don't think either of us had a good answer to about like coaches who have to recruit against their alma mater, and it was about Marcus Freeman. So I didn't pull that question because I thought it was really thoughtful. But I, you
2: should I, write a story about that.
0: I think it is. I think it is worth writing a story about, but I didn't have a great answer for it in podcast form. But then there was a bonus question: Does Notre Dame have a preseason media day? How does what do they do? I don't know. That's a good question. Oh, because they're not part of a conference, right? Right. And I, I never thought of that. I don't know. We should uh, get uh, Pete Sampson on the horn and ask him. Uh, I'm sure he's probably
2: but, the number one person that anybody in South Bend's wanted to talk to media wise in the last 29 years. So, yeah. In my recruiting mailbag, the, the national one, I get a question about Freeman about one time an hour. My Ohio uh, recruiting confidential story that ran
0: last week, um, and thank you to those of you who read it. And uh, if you haven't, you're was, an idiot, so go do it. Yeah, go read it. Was awesome. It did well, but if yeah. you haven't read it, please go read it, theathletic.com slash 4-6. Uh, there was a lot of Marcus Freeman love in there, and not surprisingly, he's from Dayton and went to Ohio State and is really good at his job. But the bonus question from Brandon was uh, what comes first? The majority of Notre Dame fans calling for Marcus Freeman to replace the easygoing, totally normal Brian Kelly or the majority of easygoing, totally normal Ohio state fans calling for Marcus Freeman to replace Kerry
2: Gomes. I don't think that could ever happen. I think Freeman's next step is head coach. I think his next job is head coach too. So I, I guess he's asking what people would be calling for. Um, Probably the unreasonable Ohio State fans.
1: Yeah, that that could probably
2: happen in week five if they have a bad game in the secondary because they're already on the edge of their uh, at the edge of their seats. I don't know what the temperament is from Notre Dame fans love Brian Kelly, because even though he hasn't won a national championship, you can say that he's done basically. I mean, say what you want about the man. I think he's probably reached the pinnacle of what you can do there right now. I think that's right. I do think... Um, I think they can th- do better. Their ceiling is probably a national... To be to win the national title. But I think you would need an Urban-like figure to do it. Right. And if they could have fired Brian Kelly last year and probably hired Urban if they wanted to. Um,
0: I don't think the second one is realistic because of what we said he's going to be a head coach next. But I do think that there is a segment of the Ohio State fan base that is like already nervous that some somewhere along the line a mistake was made and Marcus Freeman's not here. Uh, I will say... I think Marcus Freeman is a great recruiter. And I I also think he's a good coach, but I'm like I'm a little bit curious, like now that he is not with Luke Fickle and kind of like running his own thing, what exactly that looks like. They have good players in Notre Dame. I, I think they are going to be good. Um and he brings in very talented players to make sure that they are good. But I, I think there's still a little bit of proven left with Marcus Freeman. Um at, now that he is the sole coordinator at Notre Dame and not kind of like coordinating what is the head coach's defense at Cincinnati. Um, but I do think he's the head coach next. Where? I don't know. If Luke leaves Cincinnati, then Marcus Freeman's probably their next head coach. But I don't know if Luke's going to leave Cincinnati unless Ryan Day decides to He could be, be anywhere. He
2: could be the next head coach at Georgia Tech for all we know. Well, Jeff Collins is actually doing a really good job there, but I just used a random school.
0: Yeah. I wonder if he. Would he coach at Michigan? Yeah, I, I think you would. I think you would. I don't I don't know him at all. I mean, I don't I know think, him at I think all. He would so, so. Yeah. I, th- I, I think you might. It's a good job. Yeah. Uh question from Shane. Will Ryan Day's legacy su- surpass Urban Meyer's legacy at Ohio State if he wins two plus national titles and continues piling up Big Ten championships, or will Urban's polarizing entity and elevation of the program keep him above day? I don't know
2: how to do this because I don't know how to rank the current former coaches. Cause I think if you asked Ohio state fans, everybody would have their own personal favorite. Some people might favor Trestle because he ended the Michigan drought or favor urban for extending their national profile or Woody for helping create the program. As we know it, like everybody has their own place in, in the history books. And I guess if you expanded out for ten years and you gave Ohio State ten national champion or two national championships and eight Big Ten championships in the next ten years, like I don't know how you would frame Ryan Day. You know, I, I don't know. You know, surpassing is hard because it's just like even if Mario Cristobal wins a playoff game at Oregon, he still couldn't have probably done that without Chip Kelly's existence. You know, and these these guys are building blocks. So it's it's like hard for me to answer that. It is hard to answer, but I mean, of all the guys you listed, like what is the only one that's won
0: multiple national titles? So if like, if Ryan did that, there's there, I think there is some kind of separation there. Yeah. Um, but it is hard. Like he is, he is, and always will be sort of like standing on what urban built a little bit. And we've had that like, ver- like various forms of this conversation. Like what could he ever do to separate himself from that entirely? And I don't think it's impossible to separate himself from it entirely. But I do think if he were to win two national championships, we would probably stop talking about it. I think
2: the answer to that question is longevity. I think that sustaining a program is incredibly hard to do, and at a certain point, it stops becoming what Urban built, and it starts becoming stops becoming what Urban built, and starts becoming what Ryan Day uh, oversees. Yeah, um, and two national champion. I mean, national championships are gold um Alabama's made it look very easy to win them but it's not and if you're able to get oh I think Ohio State is legitimately set up to win two in the next five years um and if they do that then I think we can have this discussion again um but Ryan Day's lost two games as Ohio State's head coach and both were in the playoff uh he's recruiting at the highest level possible and in a year where they lost one of the best quarterbacks in program history they're expected to win a national championship again so You know They're already kind of there, but in eight years from now, if they have two national championships and are headed into a season as a national championship favorite, then I think you have separation. I think you have
0: separation, and it will also be very weird to uh, see a Ryan Day statue next to Woody Hayes (laughs) while Trestle and Urban don't have one. Maybe they'll all get one. They'll do the Alabama thing. Uh, I mean, if that's what they should do,
2: it makes the most sense. I love the idea of building. You build statue a statue for, for a coach a that won a national championship. championship. Yeah, yeah. Sabin should have like 13 statues uh, all around campus, though. Like yeah. one, like near the classroom <laughs> says "get into <laughs> class," or one near the, like Ohio State has the Brutus Buckeye statues. Yeah, there's campus. like 19 Brutus Buckeye, Buckeye <laughs> statues. Just you know, have Nick Saban sitting uh, with his legs crossed in the student union, like. <laughs> On the bench, <laughs> come sit next to the Nick Saban
0: statue, like his Ronald McDonald. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, question from Kathleen. I'm just going to use Kathleen's food question. Because uh, I think we kind of talked about the, the second part of our question in terms of receiver targets and stuff like that. Uh, Kathleen writes, you two often discuss fast food sandwiches. I'm curious if either of you use the online apps to make your orders. They often have some major deals and offers on the apps. For example, Ari, buy one, get one, filet of fish is commonly available in the deal section of the McDonald's app. Or do you just pull up an
2: order off the menu like peasants? What now? Did she say Bogo filet of fish Bogo filet of fish I've never wo- – I- I think there's a certain line. Listen, I know I'm a slob. <laughs> I know I'm a slob and I know that some of the times that I've eaten have been shameful and I have felt terrible about it, but I think I would rather pay more than have the McDonald's app on my phone. Like, I think that there's a certain point where it's just like, bro, get a hold of yourself. And I think that when you're downloading the McDonald's app, you've probably arrived there.
0: Yeah. The, uh, the last time I went through McDonald's, which was like two days ago, uh, they asked me when I pulled through the drive-thru, were you going to be ordering on the mobile app? And I thought to myself, well, well no, I'm here. <laughs> like, why would why I, would I do the, that? Why would yeah. I pull up to the microphone?
2: I just want to give you this money and then you give me food yeah. so I can go home gonna, and eat it. But you're making these it extremely yeah. difficult. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> these are really great. I like to buy these. I like to go home and, and wear them.
0: <laughs> I like to go home and wear them.
2: No, no, uh, no. We, just, we sell your stuff on eBay. <laughs> Which I'm finding out firsthand right now is extremely hard to do. Yeah. Um but yeah, I just like don't want to have to face that. It feels like a step too. Well, I guess I
0: think for the normal person it's not a step too far, but for the person people who can't help themselves. Yeah. Uh firing up the McDonald's app is too easy for someone with no willpower like
2: myself. Also like if I handed my phone over to my fiance and she was scrolling through my apps and she just saw like the fast food folder, like I think that she would leave me. <laughs> so it's just like for the $3 that it costs to get the two fillet o fishes I think I'll just, uh, I I do feel like a peasant now. It should be a VIP for how much money I've spent at that place over the years. But I just, it's shameful to eat it that much. It's shameful to eat it enough where you need the app. Unless you are a coffee person and that's where you get your coffee in the morning. There you go. That's how I'll justify it. I'm going to download the McDonald's app right now for my coffee. I get coffee there every day, just yeah. for coffee. Yeah, it's yeah just I'm for sure. coffee. I'm mean? sure you've driven stop. into McDonald's plenty of times and just ordered a black coffee and left, right? Yeah, I can stop. Never added I a hash want. brown yeah. in there. They got the grill on every time you're in there. <laughs> That's right.
0: Oh, the grill's hot. Okay.
2: <laughs> All right, why don't you throw <laughs> a, a McDouble on there and a hash brown? We'll call it a morning. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, okay. Last question from Tyler. He's got a football question and then a, a more of a, a food comment. Uh, the question is, is the Big Ten closer to being the ACC with one giant and many average teams who were good on the occasion, or can the Big Ten get back to what it was when it was similar to the SEC with one clear favorite but a handful of really, really good teams who challenge Ohio State and a few sneaky good teams? doesn't seem like that long ago that Michigan State made the playoff. Penn State was in the conversation, and Iowa and Michigan were moments away from a playoff versus right now we're outside of Ohio State. We look to Wisconsin to being the second Big Ten team that shows national life.
2: I got a hot take for you. I think the SEC is going to be really freaking good in three years. The SEC? ACC. Did I say oh, SEC? The ACC. Yeah. Oh, I might have heard you. So I might have you're, said, you're, I have this thing that's happening on. as I get older, Bill, where I say something different than I'm thinking. Oh, that and happens th- to me all the time. Okay. Because yeah. I don't know if I have a problem or – I think they're mini strokes is what they are. Someone call a doctor. <laughs> yeah. ACC. Um, I have faith – in the way that Florida State's recruiting right now. Uh, they've got it's two yourself. five-star prospects. I I have hope there. Um, They're going to have f- offensive linemen on our team eventually? Or is that part of the plan? I think – I mean, I, I hope so. That Travis okay. Hunter guy that's on their team right now or in kid. their class is not only the kid. most dynamic human being I've ever met in my entire <laughs> life, but also just I would draft him now. Yeah. I don't know what position he's going to play. He swears that he's the best cornerback and the best receiver in the country, if you ask him. (laughs) Um, And I love the confidence, but I don't know how Florida State's going to use him. But, like, in our Debbie League, he would be somebody that you would want to stash away, I think. Let me write that down. The draft's Um, coming up. North Carolina's over-under for wins this year is 10, and they play Notre Dame. Yeah. North Carolina's recruiting sneaky good, and I kind of like where they're headed. They're getting quarterbacks too, right? They have have Drake May right behind Sam Howell. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They've got some guys in there and they got Tony Grimes, a name that Ohio State fans are probably pretty familiar with. Uh, BC is recruiting at the highest level in program history. I don't know how long Jeff Halfley's there. And I'm not saying that BC is going to be like a Penn State, but if BC becomes a factor in the Northeast, you know, you have some geography there that's, you know, only being pursued by Michigan at this point. Uh, I, I think that there are there's a chance that Miami is recruiting at a higher level. Like the the pieces are in place for the ACC to be a really good conference. And I think right now um, the interesting race is between some of those schools I just mentioned to being the next team that can potentially knock off Clemson in the ACC. And they're all kind of happening at the same time. So who wins that race will be fun to watch. Um, but that's that's a good question. I don't know. Like the Big Ten is kind of a one-trick pony right now. It feels
0: nationally. the big, the big 10 feels a little stuck in place to me and I don't, I think like new blood in Michigan can make it feel different. Um, I do think Penn state is in an okay spot and just had a weird year last year. I fully expect Penn state to bounce back and kind of be what it's been. They're recruiting the really well in this last month wrangling. too. If you haven't been paying attention, they have been, yeah, 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 they have been. And they're off to a good start in 23 too. Although that doesn't mean much right now. Um, so I, I think like the, the gap. I was looking back at the blue chip ratio the last few years. The gap between Ohio State and Penn State right now is about what it's always been, and it is a sizable gap. Um, but I think I think Penn State's in okay shape. I I wish Michigan had more juice juice.
2: Um, I think it's the fact that Michigan's lost its juice completely that makes it feel differently. Yeah, like, and I don't I also, think that it's, like it's Iowa that, is a team that is going to be holding up the conference. You just don't ever trust the West to like quite get to that level, right? Also, it's, Wisconsin has. Benefited tr- tremendously from not playing in the East, for sure. Wisconsin's Absolutely. a good football program, and they are what they are as a as a ten win team every year. But they would not be a ten win team every year if their schedule was Penn State's. A hundred percent agree. And I think that like yeah yeah,
0: which is interesting because like we we were doing I did a um a Big Ten roundtable with other writers um, at the Athletic that I think is going to be posted on Wednesday ahead of Big Ten Media Days, and one of the questions in there was about like what we think might happen with the changes to scheduling in the big 10. And and I think what is kind of on the horizon for the big 10 and probably most leagues is, is scrapping divisions. And then like, once that ha- I'm very curious,
2: like once that happens in the big 10, what happens to Wisconsin because of that? Yeah. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I uh, also uh, told Kevin Warren that I think the big 10 championship game should be in Vegas and he seemed open to that. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, uh, we'll stay tuned for that. But I wanted to bring something up to you, Landis, because it's something that I wrote today in my mailbag and somebody had an awesome question and I think I'm going to pursue it, but it seems like it might be a story that you would want to pursue too. Okay. Um, so the question was any reason other than the presence of Ohio state, Michigan and Penn state and the big Ten the, that the big tens West uh, division is struggling to recruit as well as the East. Even Rutgers and Indiana are doing better than the perennial West champion Wisconsin. Um, the top four teams in the big 10 rankings right now in recruiting are all in the East then you have Northwestern at five, and then Indiana and Michigan State at six and seven. So top six of the top seven ranked classes at this moment are Big Tenings teams. And my answer was that it's just a geography thing. And I, that, th- yeah, I think it's mostly geography, but I also think it's style of play. But somebody had a awesome comment, and I want to hear what your take is on this. Joe G. Thank you for subscribing and reading Uh, one of the best comments I've ever gotten said on the Big Ten West question. Is it possible there is something wrong with how recruiting rankings impact Big Ten West schools? Just a few weeks ago, the Athletic had a fantastic article about which programs outperform under their underperforming recruiting rankings. So who who outperform how they've recruited? Right. The number one outperformer was Iowa State, a Big 12 school in a Big Ten state. They were followed by Iowa. Then Wisconsin and Northwestern were also on the list is it really all development scheme stability or are there are a lot of really good players in those middle of the country States like Iowa and Wisconsin that are being underappreciated from a recruiting ranking standpoint. I think that's like a really fascinating discussion because, um, yeah. you said last time I checked, there have been also a ton of high NFL draft picks coming out of the Iowa and Wisconsin programs recently, perhaps a bit of both, but on the field, the East has won six more games in the West over the last seven years. And it's really not as big as it seems other than Ohio state.
0: I think that's right. I think that's an astute observation. Um, I agree with it. I do think that like, that's kind of like the secret sauce. I think for those programs, it's why they can win eight, nine games a year, 10 games a year with regularity, even though they recruited at a lower level. But
2: like if there's a legitimate um, stud in the state of Nebraska or the state of Iowa, are they getting the same recruiting cloud as everybody else? Or do you think that the, the players at those programs are recruiting are undervalued in the recruiting rankings in the eyes of the analysts?
0: I think there is probably a little of, um, yeah, geographical bias, bias? geographical bias. Um, intentionally or or subconsciously, I think some of it can be subconscious too. It's just like you're looking for playmakers. Why are you going to the, the, to the Midwest? You know what I mean? So I, I
2: I, listen, this is why it's not bias. Where are the camps down South? The camps are in Florida. The camps are in California. They're in Texas. They're in Ohio. There aren't any opening regionals in Wisconsin. There's no opening regional in Iowa. Where where do the the best players in Iowa go to get noticed in the camps? Like what's the closest Here. regional that the opening is have? Is it Ohio? Columbus. Is it Texas? Columbus or Chicago? Chicago? Like these guys have to drive 8, 9, 10 hours to go to these camps and I just don't think that the place where a lot of the evaluation is done is accessible and like that might be the lead to the story. Like I'll call Steve Wilfong right now and do that story.
0: You know who might be a good hook to that story is is uh, like if you want to talk about like, guys who like can like break
2: through that Xavier Nwampa. Yeah, it's like Thomas Fidone is another one. Yeah. But he went to Iowa, right? He went to, no, went to no, Nebraska. 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 He was from Iowa and he went to Nebraska. And he's a tight end. So that's also part of the recruiting stuff. And he was a top hundred player. But like if Thomas Fedone went to Miami Central, he might have been ranked number 48, not 97 or whatever he was. You know, and I just like I wonder if the accessibility to the areas of the country, the coasts, the Texases, and some of the Midwestern regionals and even the Northeast to a certain extent is given these players more of a platform.
0: I'm trying to look up because I think I might be wrong on this, it, but might probably be worth looking into for the story. I think like Xavier Nwankba like plays on like a West coast based seven on seven team. Yeah. I want to see the Des Moines seven on seven team show up to one of these camps with just like it's just rock shit. Six, yeah. Six, six, five, 300 pound dudes
2: six foot six, uh, 240 pound tight ends built like a brick house, going yeah. out there and plowing over the, I, I don't know, but it is interesting that if you think who are the, if you think about the most overperforming programs in the entire country, there isn't a Northwestern or an Iowa state in California. There is not. There isn't an Iowa state or Northwestern in Florida. I think i I think a
0: big, and I'm not saying this because I'm, I am biased to the, the this particular position, but with talking with coaches about this a little bit over the last few weeks, the one thing you can find in these places we're talking about is linemen and like tough linemen, like
2: ass kickers. And I yeah, just they I up, think they do, they grew up plowing the field. I right? think like that there's. The corn.
0: I don't think you find those kids on the West coast very often anymore. And like, I I heard that in reporting my story for Ohio recruiting confidential. And I think there's a lot of that too in the California story
2: that Antonio Morales. I'm not trying to be funny, but do you think agriculture is a thing?
0: Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'm sure it's part of it.
2: Listen, man, I grew up in Phoenix, Arizona. My, my vision of labor around the house was taking the trash out. Like, I mean, like I, I don't know. There's a lot of people who grow up in environments where their family business is to farm, you know, and you're, mm-hmm. you're moving bales of hay and you're, you know, filling. I don't know anything about farming, but you get That was Robert Gallery.
0: I remember Robert Gallery was that what it's I a guy like, like. Every story was about him baling hay. Yeah, yeah and he was just like
2: bench pressing bales <laughs> of hay. <laughs> right. And it's just like if everything that you do in your life every single day involves some sort of like physical activity then you're just going to have natural strength and aggressiveness that somebody who grew up near the beach in California is never going to have. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because a lot of the the big time defensive linemen of the past few years have all been, you know, west coast kids. And where was Brian Breezy from? from? Is he from the east coast? He's from Maryland. He right? is from he
0: is from Damascus, Maryland. Yeah. So, I do think the thing with these kind of teams though is like they do outperform their recruiting rankings and I think much of it comes back to if you're good up front, you have a shot. But they're still lacking the dynamic talent at all the skill positions to really break through. They yeah. just don't have it. It doesn't. They don't get it in their home state. Um, they can't recruit it from other parts of the country to come to where they are.
2: What do you think is harder to find though? An underrated or an under the radar receiver or an under the radar left tackle? Like I think you could go find one of the five thousand speedsters in Florida and get a really good receiver. Yeah, probably. Like, where's Ty F- Fryfogel from? I don't know where
0: he's from. It's a good question. I would in Florida.
2: Tom Allen recruits Florida quite a bit. Was he like a three-star prospect from Florida who was an 800th ranked? I mean, I don't know anything about where he's from.
0: He is from uh, Mississippi.
2: Okay, and what was his ranking? Oh, now you're asking me hard stuff. Hold on. I thought you. I just Google 247 every time, right to the recruiting profile. His
0: ranking. He was the 1,712 overall
2: recruit. Yeah. In the class of uh, 2017. Yeah, and if you go look at the preseason All-American. Uh, list of linemen. I wonder if there will be, if the linemen are filled with a bunch of three-star prospects. I, I just don't know which one's harder to find or which which pro, which pro, uh, position is more in a position to find under the radar gems. Because uh, linemen's also about growth, spurt, and strength. And that's kind of stuff that's hard to quantify when they're in high school.
0: It's the hardest position to evaluate for high school players, for sure. Offensive line. And I think receiver is a little more straightforward. If you're willing to go do the work and go find a kid who's a 243rd ranked receiver
2: in the country and he's at Mississippi, somewhere in yeah. Mississippi. And there's some guy in Mississippi who's breaking track records at his high school. It's right. like part of being a receiver is just like, are you fast? And then it's like, if you're fast, then we'll do everything else right. Yeah. I'm not saying that you don't have to be athletic and dynamic and route running and all the things and have good hands. I know every position in football is hard to master. I'm not trying to take away from anything, but it's just there are a lot of really fast people in 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 the country, and I don't know if there's very many – Brute offensive linemen just sitting there waiting to be picked. Right. But maybe there are, and they're just not being recruited at that level. I'll find them. It also be, you know, since you're an offensive line buff, it would be very interesting to go look if this would take forever, but if you want to get your pen out, if you go and you look at the (laughs) top three rounds of the NFL draft of the past five years and add up all the stars from every position, I wonder if offensive linemen like Tristan Wirfs is like the perfect example of this. I think mm-hmm. he was a three-star prospect, right? Yeah. He might have been a four-star prospect, but there are probably more represented offensive line representatives that were three-star prospects than there are at any other position. I think that's right. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't I do the math, but if you looked it up and then like right reporting a story as to why, I think would be a good story. I'm gonna look up where Tristan Wirfs. Was he's from Iowa, right?
0: Yeah, he was a four-star prospect. He was 331 overall. Yeah, from Mount Vernon, Iowa. Um, so, but he became like he was. Like, he was awesome as a rookie in the NFL for the Bucks. Um, was a first-round draft pick. So, but there are other guys like who were ranked much. Like, I even think like DeJuan Jones could be like become that. Yeah. This kid was ranked almost a thousand in the country, and like you look at him, and of course, like he's gigantic, and maybe you'd think something of him because of that. But like, it didn't seem like a whole lot of teams were like buzzing around DeJuan Jones, <laughs> and now like he, I think he'd be good enough to start for Ohio State right now if he had to, um, and I do think he's going to play in the NFL. And that kid was just like
2: hanging around in the Midwest. <laughs> you know what I <laughs> the love kids, about this? Kids podcast, like that are just hanging around out west. Like this is an Ohio State show, but I think. I'm not gonna maybe this is just like birthday introspection, but like I like the direction that these shows go in. Because it's like yeah. it's just if you don't like Ohio State, I still think that this is interesting. And I know 99% of the people who listen to this are Ohio State fans and rightfully so, but like that is a college football discussion. And I and it doesn't I don't yeah. know, like I am going to write a story about that, I think. I'm gonna think add that you to my
0: list. I think it's interesting. And I think like it is. I think Ohio is part of that, right? I like we're talking a lot about like I, the Iowa's and Wisconsin and Nebraska's and the world, but I think the state of Ohio has more blue chip prospects year in and year out than those places for sure. Top end talent, but the majority of the prospects that come out of the state, I think more fit the bill of the kind of guy you're talking about.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to write that down on my list. I've got another story I want to tell you about, and I don't know if I should do this or not, but remember when I texted you about Jamie Wood? Yeah. Um, So he's on a show on HBO max. That's kind of like a dating show called F boy Island. Yeah. Listen, dude. So I messaged him on Instagram. I'm like, I want to write about this. Good. And you know, he's like a chief compliance officer at Ohio state, former high end four star prospect. Now he still is, he still works in compliance at Ohio state. Okay. And he was telling me, and I don't know if I'm, if I'm messing him up right now, but he's like, I hope that name image and likeness from being on the show becomes profitable for me. And that's what everybody who goes on The Bachelor and everybody who's on television wants to do, right? And it's like a compliance officer at Ohio State is going through NIL on his own. Like, to me, is freaking fascinating. Yeah. What's the premise of that show? It's like a bunch of guys are on
0: think an think it's a bunch of guys that figure out like, that was which one's the
2: nice guy and which one's the jerk. I, yes, yes. And like, Jamie Wood is the nice guy. I mean, he has to be. Jamie Wood is like the nicest human being I've Either ever met in my or entire he's, life.
0: He's a really good actor. I guess we'll, I guess we'll find. Like, out. I don't know Jamie Wood.
2: I, I don't know Jamie Wood that well. But if I took my entire life savings and put it in a room, and I told Jamie Wood to guard it, I wouldn't even have a second of second thought of whether he would take a dollar off of my life savings. <laughs> I would skim a little off of the top. I know he, you would. He, I wouldn't. That's yeah. why I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell you to. You're my best friend in the world, and I. How much is a happy meal? <laughs>
0: We fire up the McDonald's (laughs) app
2: real quick and see See what it costs. Uh, Uh, Yeah. So if you're still listening. uh
0: Tyler also had a a, a Tudor's Biscuit World shout out. Yeah,
2: let's end on that.
0: Yeah. Uh, he said you guys mentioned Tudor's Biscuit World and boy oh boy, do I have a point to make. My girlfriend boy, is from oh West boy. Virginia. <laughs> My girlfriend is from West Virginia and I had never heard of Tudor's being from Northeast Ohio. We visited her parents in May and I had Tudor's for the first time and it's incredible. Cheap prices and quality food. I traditionally hate biscuits but they're soft and buttery and the menu has bizarre names for their sandwiches such as the Thundering Herd or the Bob Huggins. It's worth it if you've uh, if you're ever out that way. And then he apologized for the long maybe on the he likes podcast and been fan since Cleveland like Cleveland.com days Thank you
2: lost me time. at I hate I traditionally hate biscuits I don't know like I traditionally hate yeah. That's uh,
0: uh you know you, you don't got to volunteer every piece of information about yourself you know what I mean
2: yeah the one thing that I'm wondering is is if he heard that on the show and went there because he heard it on the show or if that was like that right write us back and let us know because yeah. I've only eaten there a few times I've but still never it been is tremendous. And I've been trying to, I've been trying to get, cause Bill is a, loves a good biscuit. Yes, he does. Uh, so like, I think I even might've texted you from the biscuit place when I was there. You did. Yep. Um, and it is tremendous. So if you're ever down, in, listen, I think there's one in Dayton, uh, well, you don't have much going on on the weekends anymore, right? Like, just go out on a Saturday. You drove an hour to get a Philadelphia pretzel. I think it's worth driving down to West Virginia, going to hit up a casino in Wheeling Island, and, and hit up a Tudor's Biscuit World. I think you, I think that would be a good use of a day.
0: Maybe I've go driven to a Nike for less, So
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Plus, you like podcasts and driving. You know, it's kind of your thing. You know, I, it I, is. I, yeah. When you go there one day, you will be like, I cannot believe I've waited this long. I guarantee it.
0: No, I'm. I'm going to go. Um, I drive past one when we go out to visit my girlfriend's family like quite a bit and I always like kick myself for not going there. So the next time we drive out there, I'm going to go. That's, that's the plan. Tudor's biscuit world. I'm coming for you. Get ready. Okay. Thank you to the seven of you still listening to 4 to 6 with a as we've gone nearly an hour and 15 minutes on this Q&A episode. Thanks for the questions. Again, hit the email 4 to 6AB at gmail.com. Subscribe to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash 4-6, where later this week you'll be able to read stories For myself and all of our writers at Big Ten Media Days out in Indianapolis. Can't wait to get out there and talk to Ryan Day, some guys from the team. Football is around the corner. Camp starts in two weeks. Get excited. We'll talk to you guys next week.